and welcome back to another episode of the Asking for a Friend podcast. It's an elder-led ministry of Believers Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. My name is Duffy Henderson, and I'm your host. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and the benefit of God's people. Here, we hope to provide helpful, thoughtful, and most importantly, biblical material as we address everyday life questions and issues. So if you find this podcast helpful, please take a few moments to share it with someone that you think would also benefit from it. Thanks for listening in today, and may the Lord bless this episode in particular greatly to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth and your benefit. Well, today, uh, I'm back with Jason Rowland, and it's just us. Uh, the past few episodes, we've had a few other guests with us, but today we're talking about um, maybe an often misunderstood or misused Bible verse, and these are really fun episodes because uh, I know we were talking before we jumped on the on, on air here that these podcasts really drive us deep into the Word to help us think about the Word in order to do the podcast, and it's a good uh, it's a good exercise for us. So we've had some good conversation. Jason, before we jump in, though, welcome today. Well, thank you, Duffy. It's good to be with you. This will be the last podcast that we will have um, that will come out in 2023. Uh, we have one more next week. Next the, week. Next week will be the final one. Thank you. That's right. We, so do cl- have we are close. We are close. That's right. <laughs> so this is the last one I'm recording. The last one for Jason. Yes. That's yes, right. Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's been a good uh, half of a season. I don't remember what number we started. This will be, I think, episode 170, if, if memory serves. Right. Closing in on 200 episodes. Yeah. Wow. Wow. It's been a lot. Uh, we hope it's been a help to you. We've tried to cover lots of topics. But uh, like I said, today we're going to be just looking at a Bible verse that has been probably a Bible verse you're familiar with, Proverbs 22.6. And we'll read that in just a moment. But this has to do with uh, family. You know, the, the Bible speaks much of the family. Uh, it speaks to fathers, mothers, to children, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And so there's lots of, uh, lots of information that we can draw from how God has ordered the family and how God loves the family. The family unit is an important part of humanity. So all of these things, and then we come to a Bible verse like Proverbs 22, 6, and it, it can be misunderstood sometimes. It really can, and I think one of the things that um, drew us to this verse is because we have a um, track record um, through the podcast episodes of talking about family ministry because that's what we emphasize here at the church. Yes. Jared Haygood is our um, student and family pastor, minister, and he takes care of some of the events and opportunities and training, um, encouragement, just around family ministry. And so that was by design when we hired him back in 2017. And we've watched as the Lord has used mm-hmm. the ideas and the plans and the methods and the encouragement that that Jared and Whitney both have um, brought to the congregation and to our families. And so there's been several episodes that we've done in the podcast that encourage um, our Faith at Home, which is our resource center, Mm -hmm. particularly Mm -hmm. as we have a lot of family ministry uh, resources there. We've had podcast episodes on how to do family worship at home. 
we recently had the Mama Bear podcast episode yeah. that you did. Yeah, interview one of the Mama Bear apologetics authors, right. and speakers. Yep. Right, right. And so um, through the history of the podcast, you can go back to previous episodes and you can find several that have to deal with the family. And I think that became then the impetus for us to look at this verse because, as you've said, it is an often misunderstood, misused, uh, misapplied verse of the Bible. Yep. Proverbs 22, 6, you'll know it. Train up a child in the way that he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And we're reading from the ESV translation, by by the way. That's right. That's the translation that we preach from and we use in the teaching ministry of our church. Now, years ago, um, this would have been a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> um, right in the next room. Back in the olden days. Yes. That's what Landon, my son, would say. Yes. Right in the next room, which uh, was a classroom at one time and now at your office. We're recording <laughs> in the counseling room. Um, I had a gentleman that was coming to the church who became very angry at me because I told him this verse is not a promise, but this is a general principle. He had wayward adult children. He's no longer a member of the church. He, he left in anger over this. Um, he um, took and understood this verse, train up a child in the way he should go, even when he's owed, he will not depart from it. He understood that as a promise, which is um, totally opposite of what the nature of the book of Proverbs is. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. Before, we, we've done a lot of pre-recording conversation, and I think it's important for us to even just basic, we've actually had some hermeneutics podcasts that have been coming out, how to read the Bible well, how to interpret the Bible well. I think just even speaking just briefly, we're in the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is unique in the Bible. Yes. Um, if, you, if you flip open and you just kind of do a scan through visually in your copy of the Bible, you're going to come to a lot of narrative in the, fir- in the front of your Bible where it's just paragraph form. And then you're going to get kind of to the middle of the Bible and you're going to come to books like Psalms, Proverbs, even Isaiah, some of the some of these books in the middle. Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes. And they have poetry, uh, prophecy. Um, wi- we call it the wisdom literature. Some of it's um, prophetic and all of these kinds of things. And it looks different on the page. It, it's very, uh, every verse kind of begins its own spot. It's not, it doesn't flow like a, like it doesn't read like a paragraph of, of history or something like that. And so what do we have when we're looking at the book of Proverbs, Jason? Well, we we have uh, in the category of wisdom literature, we have um, most, if not um, the biggest majority, I should say, of the Proverbs are sayings from Solomon, King Solomon, Mm -hmm. that were recorded. And then the book was actually used as a training for young men. Um, and so there's a lot of warning, there's a lot of teaching, there's a lot of discipling, there's a lot of instruction, and it's very um, brief. There's not a lot that you can, 
as you read through the sayings, if they would be connected one to the other, like we see when we're reading narrative or even as we're reading one of Paul's letters, you, you think, well, how is that connected? Yep. If you're familiar with the book of James in the New Testament, James is written a lot like the yes, Proverbs yes. is written. It does have a rhyme and reason, but it's a bit disjointed right. if you don't really understand what it is you're reading. And so my understanding of the book of Proverbs, it, it was really used in the royal courts as a tool to mm. train young men who would uh, either have a position of prominence or place within mm. the court system and... Um, Solomon being, again, the, the main contributor to the Proverbs, sure. um, and then others as well that contributed. So Yeah, and I think it's important, too, that there's a direct correlation and connection with, um, if you were to read back in the Old Testament law, which the kings were to have written, every king was commanded to have the law written um, for himself to read and to always be reminded, these Proverbs are like application of the law, really, and wisdom from the law in the life. So there's a direct correlation with right. um, the way that someone should go and the way that someone should not go. Right. It's That's kind of two, the, the two ways in the Proverbs. The two ways are very prominent. Which you have at the beginning of Psalms. Uh, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, sits at the seat of scoffers. You have even the Psalms are begin with the two ways. Right. Jesus is the embodiment That's right. of the Proverbs. That's right. So And and in First Corinthians, I'm glad you said that. Um First Corinthians one, I can't remember the verse, but to us, Christ is the wisdom of God, uh, in, in the embodiment, as you said, of the wisdom encapsulated in right. the Proverbs. So I think we need to understand uh, from the beginning that the Proverbs are general statements. They're principles, principles. that are uh, likely true most of the time, but there are exceptions. They're not always true. Well, I would say... In the sense Yeah, that I know what you mean. Um, I, I, I think it might be more helpful to say that they are true, but they're not formulaic. They, they, they're, um, they're always true, but in, in our minds, they, that there should always be an out, a positive outcome. Right, right. <laughs> um, all the time. That's right. And so they are true, but just because... Life happens. Life is messy. Right. <laughs> and so a principle of do not lie... Um, if someone is truthful their entire life, it doesn't mean that they're never going to come into any uh, misfortune or... <laughs> right. And that's probably, um, you probably believe, uh, added some um, understanding better than what I was saying. But but what you're saying is it's not a, like our vending machine. That's right. So we walk up to a vending machine and we see M&Ms and we push E3 and after we put our money in and we get M&Ms. This is that's this what, is not that what, way. The Proverbs is not that way. It's it's not a paint by numbers and you get the result exactly. that you want. Exactly. Bingo. Bingo. Right. right. Yeah, so, so uh, go ahead. Uh, well, let's there's th there's lots of things that we could say there. <laughs> right. So let's let's just look at the verse and begin to break it down for a little bit um, and um, try to say some things that we hope will be helpful. The idea of train, train up a child in the way that he should go. There's been three major ways that um, this verse is typically interpreted. The first way is using the word train. You teach, you disciple, you instruct, you guide a child 
more in his morality and in his spirituality. So you teach them morally, you teach them spiritually, which is true. Yes. There is a second way that it has been interpreted, and that is that you train up a child according to his inclination, according to his talents and abilities and gifts. Is he is he good at uh, painting? Then make sure he goes to art lessons. Yep. That's another way that this verse has been understood. And then the third way this verse has been understood is that if you enable or you allow a child to go the way that he wants to go, then when he is owed, he's still going to be foolish. Mm. He's still going to be in his way. Yes, which is the the wrong way that you mentioned earlier yeah. of the contrast between the right way and the wrong way yeah. that is in the book of Proverbs. So um, in the Hebrew language, as I understand it, the, the word should that is supplied by our English language, train up a child in the way he should go, would be absent in the Hebrew. Yeah. So it is allow a child to go the way that he would go, which is folly. Because look at verse 15 mm-hmm. of chapter 22, if you have your Bible, but folly is bound up in the heart of a child. That's right. So if you let a child continue in the way that he would be inclined and that he is by nature to do, um, he will continue as he gets older to get more and more foolish. He will not depart from that. Yeah. And that's an interesting thought. I, I, I remember before we were recording this, um, you, you brought this to my attention and I do think that that is, uh, a very interesting, because if you read it just in the English, it just has a, um, it has a, I think we're conditioned. We've heard it s- read so many times. We, we think we have an understanding of what it means because we've just, we just know the verse already. Mm-hmm. But w- in contrast, or it, I, I would say in, um, not in contrast, but with verse 15, that train up a child in, you could actually translate it in his way. Uh, which is what the Hebrew would say in his way, which would be his natural way, his natural inclination, which right. I think is what you said already. Yes, and, and that fits in, if you will, to all the instructions that were given in Proverbs mm-hmm. about uh, discipline as it pertains to child rearing. And verse 15 that I mentioned just a moment ago of that same chapter, chapter 22 Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Or in chapter 23, we have the same kind of thought in verse 13 and 14. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with the rod, he will not die. If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. And so it seems to be a warning that if you allow a child to go, his way, then when he's old, he won't depart from it. Yep, yep. He will continue to be, uh, in the case of the Proverbs, he will continue to be a fool. Yes, exactly. So anyway, those are the three ways that typically um, that verse would be understood, and that third way we don't hear a lot about. But those two first, um, those two ways that I said at the beginning, um, 
that we train up a child morally and spiritually or we train up a while a child in their natural talents and gifts. Those are the ways that typically we think about it. Yeah, and I think even on 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 a very simple level, those are not necessarily wrong things to do. Right. I think those are good things for parents to you see your child is good at something. You want to encourage them in that. Okay. That's good. Um, don't make it an idol, right? Don't right. don't uh, don't define your child by their talents. All, right. all of these things, which are prone to happen, um, but I think when it comes to this particular verse, I I'm inclined to agree with you. I think that um, that third interpretation sure does make a lot of sense. It does make a lot of sense, but let's talk about the the idea behind it because if there's anything that we can take from it. The idea is that parents then have a responsibility. Mm-hmm. They have an obligation. It's intentional to train up a child spiritually, morally, uh, certainly encouraging them in gifts and talents. But the idea of being involved in a child's life, not being negligent, yes. is obviously what's being said here, too. Yes, absolutely. Um, so we, we can take it as a warning. That if we let a child go his own way, he will not depart from it. But we can also take it as an admonition, an encouragement to the parent to make sure that you are uh, doing your due diligence, so to speak, um, and making sure that you are training and encouraging. And, and in fact, th- this goes all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy. Yes. In chapter 6, listen to these words beginning in verse 6. God is speaking to the Israelite nation, and he said, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house, and on your gates. And the point being that Israelite parents, and certainly by application, Christian parents, ought to train their children in the ways of God. That's right. And why? Because their natural way will be the way of folly. That's right. And that's the implication, I think, of verse 22, 6 in Proverbs. Yes, that's right. What I love is, let me jump in real quickly with a New Testament uh, that will help us, I think, form uh, some put some put some skin and and meat on these bones that we're building a new testament affirmation um not quite we'll get there in just a minute okay um but from second timothy uh there's a great illustration i think of this principle that we're talking about here so in second timothy chapter one a rather familiar verse to some of us i think would be uh, Paul writes to Timothy, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you uh, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan and to flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And then in the same book, two chapters later in chapter 3, Uh, Verses 14 and 15, Paul again writes, But as for you, you can imply Timothy there, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which were able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture 
is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And I think that that would encapsulate the whole book of Proverbs with the father speaking to the son. But what we have is Timothy was raised with parents. Uh, At least we know of a mother and grandmother. We don't know anything about a father but maybe that he was implied there. But he had a godly upbringing. He was trained, as Deuteronomy 6 uh, would command, in the ways of the Lord, the instruction of the Lord. And, uh, you know, and as he grew up, he did not depart from those ways. Right. And we see the, the New Testament affirmations of this <clears throat> in Ephesians chapter 6, where... Paul is writing to the um, fathers, and he says, Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Yes. Uh, Colossians would be a parallel um, verse about that. Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 21. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. So we see those New Testament affirmations of this idea of training up a child in the way that he should go from Proverbs 22, 6. Yeah, yeah. So I think all that's really helpful. And so I think let's let's close out this episode, Jason, with maybe some encouragement, first of all, to um, let's speak to the parent who has children in the home now um, who are, Lord willing, working diligently uh, in grace and mercy and in patience to raise their children in, in a godly manner, but also let's speak to the parent who maybe have, or maybe has grown children, and maybe they have not all uh, stayed the course. Maybe they have, uh, maybe there's a parent who's listening who has a child or multiple children who have, um, quote unquote, left the faith or rejected the faith. So let's speak, let's end our episode with some uh, pastoral, practical encouragement application. Well, obviously, if you have children living at home, and um, uh, I would say, number one, you all who are listening who have children at home recognize it's not an easy job. Uh, parenting is difficult, and your children are naturally inclined um, to go the wrong way. They're little sinners, so we're born sinners. And um, that way then, uh, in that sense, it is hard work to raise up a child and I would just say to all of us, pray, be diligent, be intentional in your prayers. I mean, make sure that you're praying with your spouse regularly about your children. Um, And I would say number two, then don't um, be negligent in discipline. Just as we read just a moment ago, you're not going to kill him. (laughs) <laughs> when you use the rod. Yes. So be diligent. You have to be consistent. There's so much that we could say about mm-hmm. disciplining children, and we don't have the time or the, it's not the scope of the podcast, but you've got to be consistent. Parents need to be on the same side. If, even if a mother or a father don't disagree with the way that the other has disciplined a child in that moment, stick with it in front of the children and then privately have a conversation later. I mean, these are just practical things. I can't tell you how important that is. <laughs> right, right. Also, um, you know, you've got to avail yourself consistently of the means of grace. Yes. And you've got to put your children in the environment 
in which they will come to saving faith. And that's in the community of the saints, the local church, the preaching of the word, the regular preaching of the word, the ministry of the word, I should say, um, which would be the primary source of that for right. your family. Right. And uh, I know it's heavy on every believer's heart, Christian parent, to have their children come to salvation. And uh, pray to that end. Live consistently. Don't live hypocritically. Live in such a way in which they can see um, the reality of the gospel in your own life. Um, but don't try to force them to make a decision either. You're not looking for a decision. You're, you're looking for a transformation of life. And so that takes time and it takes patience and it takes a, a lot of just uh, crying out to the Lord because it's heavy on your heart. I understand. I, I, I've been there and it's your desire, um, but you can't force that to happen. We're, we're called to train our children in the ways of the Lord. We're not called to convert our children. That's we right. can't convert our children. We cannot save them. We can't. As, so as just, hard as that is to hear. That's right. So be faithful in what you know what to do. Be yes. faithful in your own obedience. Amen. But then what about the parent who has done that? And, they, and they've done all the right stuff. Yes. They've checked all the boxes. Yes. Their and, kid went to youth group, a couple of mission trips. They volunteered in their youth ministry. Now they're at a Christian college or something. I mean, th th this is the story of many parents. Right. And so how do we think about that? And, and the question is, are, are the parents at fault? You know, those parents probably will ask themselves, what did I do wrong? What could I have done better? And, of course, you can never win if when you play what if. Yep. You never win that game. Um, but I think there's some things that we've already said that come to play in that, um, that number one, all children are born sinners. So ultimately, as we see in Ezekiel chapter 18, every person is responsible for their own sin. That's right. So the father is not responsible for the son's sin and the son's not responsible for the father's sin. So everyone is responsible for his own sin and um, I, th I think that you just have to recognize you can't save your children, but you can do what you're supposed to do. You can obviously pray. You can make sure that you're being diligent in all ways. I think a parent can be negligent, obviously. Um, but re remember, take, take comfort and encouragement in the power of the gospel. Amen. I was about to jump in there. So I think I'm, I'm always thinking about how our theology connects with our life. Mm -hmm. And if we, th this let this be an encouragement, if our understanding of what Scripture teaches, uh, t t t teaches us about how someone comes to saving faith, and that, that it is God alone who draws sinners to himself and the spirit regenerates and brings new life the new life of the of the spirit the new birth uh john 3 um ephesians 2 those types of passages right. then we can rest even whenever our and i'm speaking as a as a, a a father of young children and so i'm anticipating that i will at some point experience grief uh frustration I'm not. I'm not living in in the clouds here. Mm -hmm. um, I have five children currently, 
and the Lord may give us more. So the more I have, the more, the more, uh, uh, the more possibility that they will not all uh, know the Lord. But what I can know confidently is that I can do what He has called me to do to the best of my ability, and leave their conversion in His hands. Yes. And that ultimately, after they leave my house, you know, there's the whole, uh, you know, what's the role of the the adult child to the parent? Um, after they leave our care, they're in the Lord's hands completely. Right. Um, and so there's all kinds of things that we could bring up there. But. Yes, and I mean, I, I think the hope, our hope has to be in the gospel. It, it's never Amen. too late in the reality of somebody um, being um, radically saved by a God of mercy and grace. And the, the fact that um, we can take comfort even in this, all elect children will be saved. Yes. And we can That's know a guarantee. That is a guarantee. That is a guarantee. And so um, it may not be that they were saved in your house in the time that they were in your care, but perhaps they saved, will be saved even yet. Yes. Per- and perhaps there are times when uh, children who do have to come to their own understanding of um, what the faith that they've been raised in. That's and true. Is this mine? Or am I just a product of uh, the environment that I grew up in? So it may be that for a time a child um, will venture off into consequences and decisions um, that are hurtful and painful and cause grief. and mm-hmm. uh, real, real trouble. Real trouble. So, uh, you know, then, then the gospel would have uh, a work in that child's life in the future. So th- there's just different ways to, uh, I think about, uh, to think about it. You, we could get into a theological discussion about the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. And, you know, there's comfort in that, uh, that God is sovereign and he is working. We can trust God. Uh, I know that it's easy for me to say, but um, when we have a wayward child to be able to say the Lord, I'm just going to trust in what you are doing because I don't understand what you're doing, and I know I can trust your wisdom, your mercy, your justice. I can, I can trust that. Theology is important. Sound yes. theology is extremely important in these situations. Yeah. Because uh, if our our theology should never be disconnected, and I think that if we know how God works, we can use that as uh, kind of the anchor in the situation that is bringing grief, bringing hurt, bringing pain. Yes. That God doesn't change just because you have a wayward child. He doesn't have to go to a, an option B. Or he doesn't have to call an audible. Right. No, he's already working. Yes. He has been working. Yes. He is continuing to work. And he may be using that situation to grow you as the parent, he may be using that situation to draw that child to himself at some other point. You know, we don't, we just don't know. Right. I, th- I don't know that the church has always been helpful. I'm, ch- I'm saying the church in yeah. air quotes. Um, just because, a broad, broad term. Yeah, because sometimes I think when those kinds of situations happen, let's say we have faithful Christian parents. They're, they're faithful to the church. They serve in the church, and they are growing in grace and knowledge, and they have a wayward child, and then we begin to shun them, or we begin to remove them from places of leadership um, because— It's happened. It's happened. 
um, you know, and so the child, the church has not always been helpful. I think we've got to rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, pray, come alongside. Don't just try to um, compare. I, I, I think that's another thing. Oh, man. Yeah, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> right. You know, we, yes. we do a lot of comparing. We do a lot of comparing. And, and why did God do this for one family yep. and he's not doing it for me and, that's th- right. and my family? The the Joneses or the whoever's over there, they have three beautiful, perfect children. We're doing the same stuff. Why is little Johnny such a, you know, a rebellious child? You know, right. we... and the <laughs> And, and we don't it's always understandable to be frustrated about that. <laughs> it is. And we don't always know because we have to just con, con, uh, content ourselves. Yes. That God is sovereign. That's right. And, and the gospel is still working and that we can trust in a good, gracious God. And what else can we do? Yeah. There's not a whole lot else. Right. Um, let's close it with this, Duffy, because I know we um, are running short on time. But, sure. you know, we have our resource center, Faith at Home. Yes. And we have some great resources in that. And I just want to mention three. Perfect. Because one of the things that we find when we're um, raising or training or guiding or instructing or discipling children uh, in our home is we do a lot of morality. And we do a, a little bit of grace. I think that's another place where the church has failed through the years. We did a lot of morality yep. and a little bit of grace, a little bit of Jesus. Yep. Um, a lot of law, a, lot a of little law. bit of grace. That's right. So um, that being said, uh, there are three resources that I want to recommend. One is called Give Them Grace. This is by Elise Fitzpatrick, and this is a great book. I, I did this years ago with some parents uh, that we're attending our church, and uh, some are still in our church. But basically, it's dazzling your kids with the love of Jesus. That's the subtitle. A second resource is called Shepherding a Child's Heart by Ted Tripp. And that's another resource that I did in the past as well with our uh, congregation. And uh, both of those books are tremendous. And then there's a third one. It's called Gospel Gospel Powered Parenting. It's by William Farley, and uh, again, a, a great resource that would help you to know how the gospel shapes mm-hmm. and transforms your parenting, so that your children um, grow up in a in a gospel saturated environment. Yes, and one other that you don't have here, but Stephanie and I. When we, um, I can't remember how long ago we, we're, we're celebrating, we just celebrated nine years of marriage, and I, I can't remember, it's been quite a while, early on, we were, um, we came across Paul David Tripp's book, Parenting, it's just, it's the white book, you've probably seen it with a rocking horse on the cover, and that's in the same vein as these that you've just said, and it rocked our world, um, I remember thinking, I, I remember um, it brought me to tears a few times, as I was being challenged by the gospel in my parenting. Um, It's easy to throw laws at your kids. It's hard to show grace. We're by nature legalists. We're by nature judges and lawgivers. That's that's easy. That's the easy way. Um, To show grace, to show compassion... While not forfeiting discipline, all of this is not forfeiting discipline, but right. while loving kindness, loving kindness uh, patience, um, 
you know, our God has shown us the ultimate form of loving kindness, and we arrogantly uh, don't show that to our children and others. And so those kinds of things just rocked our world. So lots of good resources there. We hope this episode has been of some help to maybe one or two of you out there. Right, right. And uh, let me say this. Uh, we, yeah, close it out here. We, we come to this podcast episode as failing parents. Uh, <laughs> we, we are not in any way suggesting um, that we are uh, the experts oh and my we goodness, have not no. failed in parenting. You know, you're in a different stage in your life. My children are 25 and 20. Yes. So we've gone through all the stages that you're currently in. And, uh, and if you want to hear a testimony on how not to do it, come talk to me, <laughs> and I will be glad. to We speak will with not you. do that on air. Right, right. <laughs> it would be several weeks of episodes. <laughs> but um, hey, on second thought, let's get your kids on for that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, I'm teasing. Uh, yeah. But um, we do hope that the podcast yeah. episode will be beneficial. We do. Um, pray that the understanding of the verse will bring some encouragement and some clarification for you. Absolutely. And we do want to, again, commend the Resource Center to you. Whether you're a member of our church or not, the Resource Center is always available. That's Faith at Home, and the books and the materials that are there, some are free, but um, the books are half price. Yeah, I think all the pamphlets are free, if I'm not mistaken, and the books are half price. Yeah, it's, it's a wonderful resource. Can't commend it enough. Please come and avail yourself of that. Well, that's it for today's episode. Thank you once again for taking the time to listen to the Asking for a Friend podcast. We hope it's been a blessing to you. Don't forget, before you go, like the podcast and share it with someone that you think would be helped by it, either through text message or through email, through social media. Some way, share the podcast. And don't forget, you can submit us a question or a topic Um, on our website, bbcemory.org. Go to the media tab, scroll to the bottom of that page, and you can submit us there something to look forward to in a different or in a future episode of the podcast. And as usual, until next time, grace and peace be with you all.